Hello, welcome to the Kaleidoscope, your portal to possibilities and soul-satisfying solutions. Get ready to embark on an inspired journey in a quest for a whole new perspective. I'm your host, Ashley Bernard, introducing people to the beautiful gems that they are. Every story, voice, and person are all a part of a masterpiece. In all our brokenness and colors, we are truly meant to reflect each other. So I'll be mixing and merging your creative thinking and intuition as we peek into ideas, philosophies, and mysteries that expose the perfect truth about you. So let's open our minds. It's time for the Kaleidoscope. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Kaleidoscope. I'm so excited to have you. So today I have a special surprise. We have a guest and his name is Sean Blayton. Sean is coming to us from Florida um, and I will let him introduce himself. Sean, welcome. Hey, thanks, Ashley. Thanks for letting me be on the show. Of course. Sean, tell us about yourself. Okay, my name is Sean. Um, I'm, I'm in Florida. I'm, I'm in Florida State Prison System. As a matter of fact, I've been sentenced to 72 years in prison and I'm on my 22nd year of incarceration right now. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, wow. Can you um, elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, I was a, I was a cocaine addict. I was a cocaine addict, and I had really let cocaine just kind of uh, completely grip me and take over my life, and, and it destroyed everything that I loved and everything that I had. And um, it, 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 I, I uh, basically I went on a bank robbing spree to support my habit. And when I was caught, they um. Uh, yeah, they dropped the bucket on me. They slammed me on my head, and they gave me 72 years under under Florida law at 85%. I'm looking at about 66 years before I can ever even be considered being released. That's incredible. That's that's incredible. You know, I um, I am up here in Ohio. I grew up in West Virginia, though, and in West Virginia, you know, the laws are so different here. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Can you tell me um, what what is it that you do to keep yourself sane there well I, I i keep myself busy by i work in the education department i teach men um i, I help men earn their geds i facilitate a cdo program so i help men earn their commercial driver's license for when they're released from prison uh, i participate in any and all programs that are available here any kind of self-betterment victim impact and uh, i just make myself available to uh, my department, the education, for anything and, and everything that they need. It, it, it keeps me sane. You know, it, it, it occupies my days. I participate in the sports, and, and I'm in a band. And, and so I really just try to – I'm in the gavel club. Uh, I do everything. I just – anything I can participate in just to keep my mind up the time that I'm doing. I love that. That's wonderful. It really shows how you are dedicated to being productive. You know, um, can you tell me, have, have you always had this outlook or is this something that um, you developed over your 21 years there? It, it, it did. Uh, I, I, just like when, when I first came into the system, I, I think my first my first eight to 10 years that I served, you know, though, though I was fighting my sentence in the court system, I was... I was still kind of serving my sentence as if I was uh, serving uh, a 72-year sentence, you know, um, yeah, using drugs and, and drinking and, and being disrespectful to authority, um, making wine, anything, uh, hanging out with the wrong crowds, getting getting clumped up and, and um, being associated with the wrong people. You know, I, I acted a fool. I was a jackass for the first 10, but then... I just realized, you know, I it, it wasn't working. Man. Doing the wrong thing, it, it just didn't feel right, and and so I had to make that change because I, I knew that eventually something was going to happen, and I needed to be prepared for for whatever it was, whenever it comes. And, and just doing the doing the wrong thing every day is not going to make anybody want to release me. Right, I understand that. Um, do you think? Uh do you know, like, why why was it that you continue to, you know, perpetuate the same reality, so to speak, you know, inside of prison that you had outside of prison, the same mentality and attitude and uh, of indifference? Well, uh, I was definitely angry. 
yes, I was I was definitely angry, and you know, in prison there's there's a mentality, there is a there's a pecking order, and there's an alpha type of personality, and at some point you you really when you first come into the prison system you you have to establish yourself in one way shape or form or you become a mark and you become a victim so you either you're you're either very passive aggressive or you're very aggressive right so i i had to i i think my first 10 years i had to establish myself as i wasn't going to be run over i wasn't going to be robbed and and if i was uh robbed then it's not going to be very easy for you Right. So it, it was a matter of survival at that point. Um, do you think, do you think that, um, do you think that throughout the 10 years you were able to really, you know, especially being in prison where you, you know, are limited towards the, the people that you have around you. Do you think those 10 years you were able to, um, really work through some things within yourself that had, uh, I suppose been a barrier from, you know, the, the better part of you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest things I had to change in me was uh, my uh, my honor and my integrity because it, there was a point where I would I would take anything that wasn't bolted down, even from my family, because I just had to have my next hit of cocaine. I had to have uh, my next drink, my next drug. So it it was really a matter of trying to to clean my name up and clean my face up. With, with not just my family but with myself because right. I know that I was I was not a, I was not even though I thought I was a good person I was really only fooling myself because I wasn't a good person at all and there were things that needed to change and I really needed to make my word and I needed people to understand that you know that I can be trusted that's what I need I need to earn trust back right so those 10 years that you spent in prison you know just kind of doing the same thing and going through the same cycles it, it led you to that realization of of oh my gosh you know what maybe I, I was in you know uh maybe i needed to prove this to myself you know um that i was that i was wor- that i'm worth the trust that i'm worth um listening to my word you know and 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 understanding the value of that yes absolutely and and once you earn it i mean man the feeling is so wonderful once once especially being in this situation when you see that people that are in authority over you that actually respect and trust you enough to put you in a position where you can take it you can do whatever you want and and you don't you know and that's always uh, integrity is to me it's it's doing the right thing when nobody's looking right absolutely yeah, it's the I love that song. Um, who are you when who are you and I'm not looking because I think that yes. what's so powerful in, in our world today is that people are, are able to hide so much behind social media and, and behind the facade that they create because we you know we live in this world of like copycats of people who are just trying to be just like the next person because they think that that's exactly what they're supposed to be, you know, um, because, you know, we're conforming as a society to this generalized idea of what's cool, which is just a completely you, you know just made up topic i mean what is cool yes. really you know and so because we're we're seeking that validation and that fitting in it just really you know it, it shows a lot about um our society and, and you know and how we perceive ourselves through other people's eyes and don't trust ourselves. And, and we totally lose our individuality absolutely i think it's it's incredible you know and and I think that, you know, I have my own experience with drugs and um, with drugs as well. You know, and my experience was was different, but also the same at the same token, you know. Um, and and I can remember those periods of my life where um, I I really, you know, I was having a good time. I was having fun. It was so much fun. I mean, how uh, I could ever have perceived being a, a needle junkie for heroin would be fun is completely, you know, uh, beyond me. However... It was the mentality. It was the acceptance because I was able to fit in with these people that I had never been accepted in with because I wasn't a part of the vibrational frequency, which they're dwelling on. And, and so, and I, and I wanted to lower myself down to that, you know, that, that level so that I could begin to connect with people and, and, and begin to feel as though I, I belong somewhere, you know, cause you know, I, I don't know about you, but I went to 
church when I was growing up and I um and and I and I wanted more than anything to to belong somewhere and to believe, you know, with the life that I grew up in that that somebody did love me and and I was actually worth it, but I always needed that confirmation outside of me because it was never instilled like within me and I, and I believe that that's, you know, exactly where um I really went wrong because I went uh you know, through my life with these core convictions about myself and my unworthiness and my inadequacy. Um, so, so therefore I was always searching for something to give me that sense of, you know, uh, a purpose and, and acceptance and, and belonging. Cause belonging. I, yeah, I, I didn't have it, you know, and, and, and it was crazy cause I, I would think that I would find it in God and I would find it, um, in, you know, friends or my, or my, or my family or my dad or, or something, but it was, it, it was just never there, you know, with, with the life that I lived at least. And, and so what, what do you think about that aspect? Did you grow up going to church? Did you grow up seeking, um, find yourself seeking for something, um, to hold on to that was like tangible and, and was unchanging? You know, I did. I, I grew up in a, in a small Pentecostal community and in the entire, the entire community revolved around the church and, uh, all the old ladies knew me and all the church members knew me. And there, there was a time, I mean, it, it was one of those churches where, I mean, they're running up and down the aisles in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues and they're just going crazy with it. And they're just all so in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I was at one point too, you know, I, I was, I was on fire for Jesus. And, and it was just, it, it was, it was strange because it, there really is uh, an incredible sense of belonging in a church community. But at the same time, being a young man and trying to find your own identity, too. So then you begin to rebel. And that's when, you know, the heavy metal music came in and then the smoking pot and just trying. And I always hung out with the older, the older crowd. You know, did you ever find yourself hanging out with the older crowd more than your own age? Absolutely. When I was a kid, I, I loved it so much because my um, my babysitters treated me like an adult. And I and I always I always felt um, more comfortable with adults because I understood those types of concepts and those interactions so much better, um, you know, when I was younger than than ones of my peers, because I, I was forced to grow. I was in a situation where I was forced to grow up and. Uh, and forced to 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 figure out how to communicate effectively with the people that I, I was seeking approval from, you know. Right, and, and it's funny is when you're. Uh, I, I found that I was I was always trying to do something bigger and more bold to prove myself to people that I really found out later in life that I, I didn't have to prove myself to them at all, that they had already accepted me for what I was, but I was steadily trying to, to reach that next level of, okay, man, you know, this kid is really cool, you know? Yeah. So whatever it took, if it took, if it took doing the, doing the mushrooms or doing the cocaine, and that's where it all started. It was always trying to seek the acceptance of others and never really seeking the acceptance of myself. Absolutely. I think that's, I think it's so powerful, you know, too, because I think, you know, for growing up for me in church, I really enjoyed it for the most part. I really did because it it gave me that place to have an outlet uh, of something that I could give um, all of my love to and it was going to, you know, and and, and it was going to love me back. You know, when I became a teenager, though, those dynamics in, in the church changed and things became very different, I, but I became more keenly aware of the judgments of other people, you know, and, um, and, and it, and then, you know, there was an incident that happened with the church that, that really brought me to a place of, um, of, of judgment myself, you know, really. And, um, I think that what, what is so powerful is being able to connect with each other. You know, we, we live in this generation now where recovery is a huge thing and, and people are doing the 12 steps through whether what, whatever recovery program they're working, people are seeking recovery. So, you know, you can see these giant collections of people who are gathering together, at, uh, you know, with this camaraderie of a common theme and, and, and helping one another spiritually evolve out of it. Isn't that, you know, it's so interesting. So there always has to be like that connection with um, whatever it is that is able to help you, you know, propel to the next level of yourself. 
Yes, and, and it seems to me, I mean, because I've been in for a long time, but things have changed so much because I remember I remember church gatherings and I remember large groups of people coming together on Sundays and everybody coming over to grandma's house for, for you know, a, a big mess of fish and grits and french fries. It was the whole church doing it because, you know, it, it was a community. And it, it just seems nowadays... I don't know. It's just it, it seems different nowadays. And, and everybody, it's like I think what I've learned more now is that it's it's the relationship you have with with Christ Himself. It's not the church at all. It's it's that's just the, that's just the place where everybody comes together to to share their experiences. I believe. Yeah. But I, I think it, it's the personal relationships. Absolutely. And you actually have, um, you are actually Odinist. So you have uh, a faith and, and a belief, uh, you know, um, that is, that is a completely radical in, in comparison to Christianity. Is that not correct? But also ironically intertwined with Christianity in a sense as well. Um, you know, can you tell me about Odinism, how you found your, 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 you know, your religion and also, um, you know, the personal connection that you share with your Odin? Yes. Um, I think when I um, I was in confinement and I'd been in confinement for, uh, I just started uh, my confinement time and I knew I was looking at a couple of years behind a door by myself. So I, I just kind of, I, I met a guy and, and he was one of my, he was one of my monkeys and he kind of introduced me and it just kind of grabbed me from there. It, it's not, it's, it's the virtues and it's the, it's just the creeds and the, and the things that come with it. You know, it's, it's just different than anything I'd known because it's like I said, I, I was trying to find, I had to clean my face up. I had to clean my honor up and I had to make my words something. And the, the fact that Odinism, that the tenets that it's followed, it, and it's all about your oaths, and it's all about your honor, and it's all about your integrity. It's about doing the right thing and making your word mean something. You know, you give your word and you give it power by adhering to what you say. Right. But and, it, and it's funny is at the same time because the tenets of Christianity and Odinism are, are they are they are Very they're right. like north and south. But at the same time, there are so many things that are alike about them because Christ, he spoke in parables. And Odin speaks in parables. And absolutely, we don't. As Odin, we don't. We don't not believe in Christ because we know that Christ existed. Because so many things were going on, and, and, and he was just he was a was a man of power. He was a man of knowledge, which is the same thing Odin was was a man of power and knowledge. So I think that Christ is just another aspect of Odin. I I love that philosophy, though. I happen to. You know, I have studied Odinism myself um, before, and I think it's such a beautiful and interesting religion because it, it truly is so family oriented uh, around the around the the respect and the love and the community. You know that 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 it's involved in, and I think that it's really beautiful and and it's interesting because a lot of the Christian the, the the things that Christians have adopted as their ideas or a part of their culture um, it is actually derived from odinism which is is the the way you know it's the pagan religion and and that's quite interesting i personally i i think for me i pick you know jc as my higher power because for me i i believe that i believe that i truly connect to him on on all levels you know because i think that there's this huge misconception about who he really is and um and you know and, and all religions and, and all people of all walks of life acknowledge jesus christ they don't they definitely do not deny his presence but it's the same thing as saying do you know of abraham lincoln i mean if you ask anybody that today they are all going to say of course yeah of course yeah i know who that is but but do you really have did you meet him was he there i don't know do you know yeah, because, nobody's it's just, seen him. Right. It's the same thing as questioning these history books, but nobody questions the history books, you know, of course. And so it's one of those things where, where, you know, everyone acknowledges the presence. Everyone just has this different concept of like what he did or what, whatever. And, you know, I think um, for me, um, my experience of, of JC is so different because um, I've always felt like this connection to him in, in the sense of that I grew up in that Christian type of a dynamic. And in the 
Bible, I was always interested in the things that he said, because the things that he said were so, um, so powerful. Yeah, they were so powerful. And they weren't actually, you know, Jesus spoke in parables. Like who um, are, you know, who are we to say that he, that what he was saying was not exactly what he was saying, you know, because, because, because yes, he spoke in parables, but, uh, but he always had the same common theme of, you know, unconditional love and believing deeply, you know, and all of that. And, and I think that, you know, what he sets him apart is that all of these other great teachers were able to, um, uh, have these pieces of what he had, but he was able to have all of it. And it, it and he, you know, it takes me back to when I was, um, getting sober from heroin and getting sober from heroin, I can remember um, I was pregnant and homeless and um, I slept in the city park and I I remember being so broken and so mad because I didn't have anywhere to go take a shower and I would be waking up in the mornings on the play place at the kids playground and just begging God like just give me a dollar seventy five to ride this bus all day and get a hot meal and, and, and maybe nap on the bus. And, and at those moments, I remember being so angry at God. You're like, who do you think you, like, how could you do this to me? I thought you loved me. But, you know, I grew up in this church where I was told that God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And and then I didn't really understand how, you know, I, I grew up in a home where everyone that said that they loved me were the same people that were hurting me. Or, um, you know, everyone that said that they loved me were the same people that made me not love myself. You know, and so, you know, I, it was just one of those things where I, I could be easily mad at him the same as I was, you know, with, um, with, with with a person and I remember, you know, being there and, and I, and I'm like so broken and, and, and then I began to make one change after another that led me to recovery, you know, and, uh, and I was able to have my son and, and, and find myself, um, looking for something deeper and, you know, so those were like little baby steps toward a spiritual awakening. Absolutely. You know, and and it truly is that in the dark times, I mean, even throughout recovery of any sort, you know, because we are humans and and we, we have this incredible capacity for pain. Like pain is actually our friend because we know exactly what comes with pain. Like it's like, I know I'm not scared, bro. Okay. I am scared. I know I'm going to have it, but I'm comfortable here because it's something I've experienced before. And it's those levels of things I haven't experienced before that I'm uncomfortable with. You know, so it it brought me to that. I am in so much pain. How can I change? And then I began to change. You know, it, it, I, I think with me too is because while while I was sitting in this confinement cell, um, I, I was at my lowest. I mean, I, I'm behind a door for twenty three and a half hours a day. I, I get to come out to take a shower and go back in, and that's it. And, and I was angry and, and I was frustrated and, and I was lonely and I was just hurt. And then and then I lost my grandmother. And my grandmother was like my, my second mother because I was raised by her. And that's when I, that's when in all honesty, I truly turned toward Odinism because I could think of no better way to, because I hated God at that point because it felt like everything was happening at one time and I couldn't, you know, I, I, I mean, it's one burden, and now here's another one, and another one, and it was just so much. And there was no greater way for me to show God that I hated Him than to serve another God. And and that's what truly brought me to the uh, the Odinist path. And then but you then just fell in love serving, with it. I, yes, yes, and uh, but you know what? But. I've forgiven God, and and that God, there are so many gods. Being an Odinist, I, we know that there are so many gods. We don't believe that there's only one. We know that other gods exist. Did you know that the Bible just, even speaks of other gods? It does. It does. And and, and but a lot of people, I mean, it did. It, but some people, they don't even want to acknowledge that. You know what I'm saying? It's like absolutely. You can't read a part of it and then disregard another part of it because it's all written. Because it's all part of the same story. You know, I, I can remember when I, I was first introduced to um, to to what I believe is my God now. And I um, I used to watch this YouTuber and he was all about this spiritual stuff and inspirational stuff. And he, he was he was trying to tell me about how I was I am um, I am the one that's attracting all these things in my life. And um, and my dad had talked a lot about the laws of attraction and so on and so forth, which is really just like I, you know, my my last one of my podcasts that it's just one of the laws of, of the universe. But I 
you know, I um, found myself like face to face with my creator and, and, and my creator. And what I mean by that is I literally found myself face to face with myself. And when I when I was able to truly look at myself, I, I feel like that is where I truly found my creator. And, and what I mean by that is JC to me is a, a representation of a teacher, like a masterful teacher who, who I, I believe was at one point in his life, you know, because the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus before 33. Like it talks about when he was born in 33. Well, of course they're going to say that he was born. Hello. But you know, what happened before he was 33 and in, in this community where he's got his apostles and so on and so forth, like, it, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty far-fetched to think that none of them actually knew him before he was 33 but the reality is 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 knowing him before that and and then having the experience with him um would would often you know times lead to not wanting to divulge all the truth because who does want to divulge all the truth you know we only want to tell the half truth but you know for me i believe that he was uh just like me i honestly believe that jc was just like me he was a a, a drunk a, a disgrace to his family um a broken soul um but still someone that that oh, housed, nice child right still someone that housed you know at, like myself uh, that, that that tortured soul um that has so much compassion and empathy for other people and and their and their their pain that 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 you know he was seeking some type of way like how can i like I, how can i help these people in this you know and, and i think that that's where you know because whenever jesus comes in it was when he got baptized by john the baptist and and i believe that that's where he had his experience and it and it just shows a lot about us as well because when you think about how his story correlates, that idea correlates with our own stories, you know, because I was a, I was a, a heroin junkie, you know, and I, and I had kids and thought I was the best mom in the world. And, and I, and I, uh, you know, I proudly wore my track marks and I was just so completely empty and broken. And then I like found that space where I was like, I just want to be better. I just, cause I want to change the world because I was like inside of that hell where I seen all of those people that, that, that were experiencing so much pain that I could see. And it was like, it was like taking from me, you know, and, and I just wanted to, to be something. I wanted to change something, you know, and, and I think that that's what happened with Jesus too. It, you know, all of our stories, we go and we set out for that radical change, which if we set out for it and we are expecting it, just like Jesus says, believe with all your heart and you will have it. Then, then all of a sudden it begins to happen. And it, and it all starts with that one, that one thing, you know, um, and, and we and open ourselves up to the, the world of intuition. Listen, his concepts at that time and that place were so radical that, I mean, it's obvious. So the men went into the temples and knocked over the tables of the money changers. And, and that doesn't, that's not for the weak hearted. Because you're, you're, you're basically talking about these men that are the hierarchy of your community. I mean, these, these are literally the bankers and uh, the, the stockbrokers of his time. And he just didn't like what he was seeing in his community. Right. And, and, and think about it, because, listen, the, the rich people at that time and place was very small. If you wasn't, we're not talking about the Romans, we're talking about just the, 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 the Jewish people in themselves. You were either dirt poor or you were filthy rich. And there really wasn't too much in between. And if you were, and if you were anywhere in that in-between area, you were trying to see to be filthy rich. And filthy rich was completely different back then than it is now. But the fact is, is that the way I interpret Christ at that time, from the things that he did and the things he was saying, is he was trying to relieve a rebellion. And it's exactly what it is: is he was rebelling against what was the philosophies that were being being taught they were being crammed down people's throats people that had nothing were being forced to submit to people who had everything yes absolutely and he was just he was disrupting the system like all great teachers yeah he was absolutely fed up with it so now he got a little arrogant he got a little pissed off but he got a little swagger about himself so now he's going to go through the he's going to go through the towns and he's going he's building an army is what he's doing now he may not be arming these people with weapons but he's arming these people with knowledge of 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 spirituality and of of of, of a better living and a better consciousness a higher consciousness absolutely and, and, and so it it makes him it makes him truly uh 
a leader of his time, a rebellious leader of his time. Absolutely. I mean, he was absolutely like, listen, I always love it so much because I love, I love JC so much. You know, it's easy for me to believe in JC, which I think is a common theme with a lot of people. It's because it, I, I understand JC as my, as God within me, that I, I'm God. Cause I believe that I, I believe that God is me and it's you and it's literally everything. There ain't nothing that's God. God is everything or he is nothing at all, which is like why I explains, you know, how our, the course of our life goes the way that it does. Either God is nothing, which means that you are living in this, you know, at the world of the ego and, and you're literally experiencing um, God is nothing. So your life begins to go to shit, which then we blame God, you know, like, cause you know that whenever you're in those rabbit hole prayers, like, please get me out of this. I'll never do it again. And, and you get out of it. You get you know, and then God's like, I was here, you know, but what happens is it's God within us, you know, because I believe that, you know, but I think that he was truly, um, you know, trying to disrupt the system and introduce an idea that was a universal truth that he was able to conceptualize. Because, you know, when Jesus wandered off into the desert um, and, and for 40 days, 40 nights after his baptism, mind you, because that's whenever everything started to happen. Where was all this shit happening before? No, something happened in that desert. I'll tell you, he became, he became enlightened as to what the creative power really is. And looking at him and looking at for one minute. All right, guys, we're going to go on without Sean. He, um, well, you know, he's in prison. He has limitations, so therefore he had to go. But where I was was uh, sharing with you, you know, exactly what I feel like is as um, as the creative power being the equilibrium, the force within all of us, the force that, that that's in the center of everything. And, and you know, and, and even like when the Jews were stoning him, you know, JC's like, you know, yo, why are you stoning me? Have you not seen my great works, bro? Like, hello, I've been doing good stuff. Like, what are you doing? And they're like, no, we're not stoning you, bro, because of your good works. We're stoning you because you keep saying that you're God, but you're a man. And, and JC says, don't you know, have I not told you that you're gods? You know, and then there, there was an, another part where, you know, he's uh, about to be crucified because of, because of turning the tables over in the temple because he was crucified, um, because of that. That's what, that's actually what set in motion his crucifixion was because he, uh, was, was trying to deliver a message to these people who were trying to listen. But just like us, Christ is, is, was able to be tempted by anger. Of course he was. I mean, hello. You know, how could you actually, you know, nobody goes to a therapist and says, I cut all over myself because I can't stand life. And every time I take a razor blade to my wrist, it feels good. And I can breathe for a second. You're not going to go to a therapist that isn't going to understand that. And whenever you do, you're not going to have a connection because you don't believe that there's a way out because you haven't seen it. You know, so Jesus is the, he, like he was the, he got out, you know, and he was the ultimate ultimate like you know shining representation of that you know and 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 there was another part where he says to his apostles because they ask him they say um hey yo jc like man if if you're gonna die like well who's gonna do all this stuff and jc's like hey hey yo you can do everything i've done you can do everything i have done and more bro because i got to go like i'm about to die early because they're going to get me you know what i mean like but you can do everything i've done and more and and that's so powerful if you think about the fact that w- that we can do everything you've done and more. You, you mean we can do everything you've done and more? And 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 if you look at the common theme of his teachings, he totally says that all over the place. He may have spoken parables, but he had to speak in parables because he was trying to help them understand what he was trying to say in a, in a way that they could conceptualize in a way that they could intellectually grasp because if there is no rationality all of a sudden you begin to dismiss things you know like it's just like if, if you cannot truly identify with it if you cannot identify and connect with it then you dismiss it because we don't allow things in our our consciousness to be able to uh, to to reveal things in our reality to us that 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 we don't find relevant because it's just how our mind works. It's such a incredible mechanism, you know. And so I think that he really, you know, he always spoke about believe in yourself with all of your heart. You know, ask and you shall receive. The story of the mustard seed, which I already told you guys. If you have this faith of a mustard seed, not the size of a mustard seed. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, 
you know, then you could do everything. And, and, and I believe that, that Jesus was trying to impress upon us that if you can't, you know, like if you can't believe that, that you are the power and that God is within you and you can harness it at any time because you, because it's literally living within you. And whenever you ask, you shall receive that those foxhole prayers, they work. You can't say that those foxhole prayers have not worked for you at times. And that's because in that moment flooded with that, that, you know, reality and that experience and those emotions, you were so desperately in pain that you were, you believed, you believed with everything that God was there and hearing you, even though you had spent how long? I mean, maybe years without ever talking to God, without praying, without meditating, without reaching out, without, you know, developing yourself spiritually, without truly, you know, uh, uh, real true self-introspection, uh, without nothing, with no connection to a spiritual realm whatsoever or living any type of life that would that would indicate that, that you have a, a connection with something greater than you. And so when you think about that concept and, and you put that into context with the God within us in those moments of those foxhole prayers, you truly are able to tap into that God within you because you are reaching out and seeking so deeply with such unwavering faith due to your fear, you know, and that's so powerful, you know, when, when you really think about it. And, and, I, and I really think that that was the theme of what he was trying to help us understand in all of his parables. He speaks about a lot of the same things, you know, believe in me. And, 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 and at those moments when he's saying, believe in me, it's not that he's saying, believe that I'm the savior, but believe in me. Like, let me give you hope. Like I did it. And y'all know who I was. I did it. I was a drunk bro. I hung out with the prostitutes. Hello. That's exactly why he was so connected to them when he was at, when he was, you know, doing what he was doing. And, and the thing is, is he felt as though he was really delivering this life changing message to people, but, but people are so scared, so very afraid of what other people think that they refuse to entertain ideas outside of their realm of understanding connection to other people and, and, and their ability to look within their self and examine it as though it is real. Because the truth is, is if your truth is the truth, then that's fine. Um, it's really not going to be a big deal to set your truth down for just a second. And, and examine a different perspective as deeply as you have examined yours. Because contempt prior to investigation is ignorance, number one. And, and number two, it doesn't lead to spiritual experiences. And number three, let me ask you something. How many times in history have we, have we you know, as a society um, or, or is written in our history books or all over the internet, if you would like to, to research it, called these um, these geniuses who, who truly introduced the world to revolutionary ideas, who really began um, to forge the way for spiritual thinking and, um, and, and, con and you know, deeper concepts that, that lead us to a place within ourselves. You know, we call them crazy. Every time they are all these geniuses are the mad genius, you know, um, and, and we call them crazy every time and every generation that they're in, they get called crazy everywhere. You know, Jesus was ostracized as well. Um, and, and so was, you, you know, uh, Albert Einstein, you know, um, Van Gogh, uh, Nostradamus, you know, all the great teachers are, you know, they're, they're ostracized. They are demonized. Um, they are, you know, uh, they are taken on um, this true collective idea and expectation of of, of belief of co of core belief of common core beliefs, you know, and, and they're exposing exposing the truth and, and exposing us to new realities, new faucets of understanding that literally open us up to to the real truth. And such a good example of that is the fact that you know even in the Christian. Um, religion and throughout, you know, Christian customs, a lot of things aren't acknowledged. They're not acknowledged. They're not spoke about and, and they're not even, um, considered as a alternative to, you know, the, their first, their first thoughts about what Christianity is and who Jesus is. You know, um, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible is, is Luke 14, 26. And it's so cool because you don't hear about this verse, but, but it says, and Jesus said this, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, come on now. Do you hear that? He says he can't be like, that's like, yo, if you are going to be my counselor, I'm going to need to know. I'm going to need to see your scars. I'm going to need to know that you've been through what I've been through. I'm going to need to know that we're going to be able to connect on the level that says that you can spark hope within me with your experience, that you can truly ignite the God, the the, the source within me um, through through me seeing that you did it because that's what seeing, you know, seeing, seeing is faith and, and, and seeing generates that hope. And that's why, you know, so much in the Bible, like, there, there were so many miraculous things done because people had to see things in order to generate hope. Um, and th- that's what we're doing for each other, you know, and, and, um, and, and that right there shows how connected he was to who we actually are today. It says there, you know, if you don't hate them, if, if you don't hate all these people, then you cannot be my disciple because, well, because, there would be no connection. He understood that you truly had to be broken down to be able to be willing to accept the way, to accept what what the truth really is, you know. Um, and and like I was saying earlier, that I, I don't think I, I completed my point at that. But when when you know when JC was turning over the tables in the in in the temple, it was because he was trying to share the message with these people, and those people were interrupting him. While he was speaking and he got angry, like, hello, I'm trying to save these people and y'all are over here selling cattle and stuff. I don't think so. And, 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 you know, made, made a, a huge stink about it. And then also there was an incident where, you know, he was traveling and, and he seen a fig tree and he went to go and pick fruit from it and he couldn't, there was no fruit on it because it was out of season. And, and he said, may no one, may no one ever eat from your fruit again. And, and, then the tree withered and died. I mean, come on, you cannot tell me he was not just angry for that. I mean, come on. He, you know, he, he was just as human as we were. He just understood these grass, these, these, these vast concepts that I'm trying to, um, uh, really imprint upon your consciousness and, and help you to internalize and, and, and harness and, and manifest within your own lives because we truly, you know, are these spiritual beings. We truly all are capable uh, of all of these things if we would just recognize who we really are. And the thing is, is that people aren't going to step up and, and, and recognize that because the truth is, is that they're afraid. You know, um, we live in a world where, where we want to be accepted and, you know, they're afraid because all of these people, Jesus and, and all of these radical, um, uh, you know, world changing individuals throughout history have all been people who were persecuted. You know, um, you can look throughout history and see that all of these people have to some degree been persecuted or, um, or, or, uh, what's the word slandered. They have been, they have been just completely ostracized, called crazy, you know, and, and it's funny because in Luke six, 22, Jesus says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spur your name as evil on account of God, which is, which is incredible on account of what he says, on account of what Jesus is saying, you know, and you know, what's crazy is there are so many similarities to, to my story and, and, and I'm sure yours as to Jesus's, you know, um, there was an account, you know, where, where Luke had made, um, about Jesus's adolescence, you know, um, where they, he, he went missing from his mother and his father for three days. And they found him in the temples, sitting amongst teachers and listening to them and asking them questions, you know, and, and everyone was always amazed by his wisdom, you know, and, and they said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? You know, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Like, Hey, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know, he said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? You know, he was then like, we all have like searching and reaching out to, to, to connect with that love, you know, that, that we find in church. And what else is interesting is in the Bible, you know, and we all know that Jesus always refers to himself as the son of man um, and, and basically an equal with God, you know, um, and, and I think that it's really interesting that we find a, a place in the Bible where Jesus actually refers to himself as the same name that God refers to himself as, which I talk about in a different, in a different one of my episodes. And he, he says, very truly, I tell you, 
before Abraham was born, I am. And, and, you know, we've talked about the power of the words, I am, I am, I am, you know, like, uh, those words are so incredibly powerful because it describes the, the, the singleness of us. Uh, but and in the same context, that's God's name and, and that's everything. You know what I mean? Um, anything that's referring to itself is an I. And he describes the same kind of like spiritual experience and spiritual awakening that, you know, many of us have truly encountered in our lives after some, after some really deep, dark periods of our lives, you know, and, and that's whenever he was baptized, it, you know, it says in, in Matthew three sixteen, as soon as Jesus is baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, aligning, alighting to him. And a voice from the heaven said, this is my son whom I love and I'm very pleased with. That's so interesting because it is the same spiritual experience I had anyways, whenever I, you know, I chose to change my life and I, and I, and I set out to do it. And I did that single positive, uh, you know, positive move to change my life. And all of a sudden it was like the spirit of God opened up on me and I was in the sunlight of the spirit again, you know? And then he had a transfiguration and that was right in front of his disciples. You know, he, he began to have a bright cloud cover, cover him, you know, just this, this bright essence. And, and, you know, um, and God speaks up and says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You know, um, listen, if you tap into all these universal powers, I mean, JC was healing people. You know what I mean? Like there's, absolutely no limit as to the things that he could manifest, control, and manipulate. And to some degree, he really had to do something drastic to get people's attention. You know, um, and, um, and, and John, he says to, he says to them, you don't have his word talking about God, his word living in you because you don't believe in the one that he sent. You study the scriptures because you think that you have eternal life inside of them. Yet they testify about me. And you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life, you know, and, and I think that that really talks about the fact that, you know, um, you're, you're looking at this, you're actually understanding, you're reading these, these scriptures, but you're literally worshiping the scripture and not the message. And if you go back to, you know, where he said, love your enemies and bless those who persecute you and Matthew thinking about this, you're really supposed to sacrifice yourself and speak words of blessing to those that you disagree with the most. And the coolest thing about that is, is first of all, who does that? Who is doing that today? Who is truly loving people in such a radical way that they are blessing the people that hurt them? Well, when you think about this for just a moment, the truth is, is that for me personally, I really, I really enjoy when people say things to me that could potentially hurt my feelings. You know, I, I and that's why I, I reiterate in these podcasts and on, on my Facebook and my Instagram, judge me, please judge me. I want you to judge me. And I want that because whenever you disagree with me, whenever you judge me, whenever you offend me, all of a sudden my ego kicks up and I now see a place that I really need to be looking at, you know, because you should love your enemies because they are, they are the ones that are introducing you to who you really are and to, to the to the to the um, limitations that you possess upon yourself and in Matthew he speaks in a way that cor- that corresponds with the law of attraction um, he says your sin will not be forgiven unless you also forgive others um, that goes right with the law of attraction the you know the the it uh, a boomerang with karma what you put out you put it you get in and he makes it completely clear when he says, I have not come to give you peace, but a sword. You know, he he makes it clear that it's a very difficult thing. It's a painful thing. And he, he, also, saw, he also says, you know, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven, which is so interesting because it, it really leads you to believe in that in that statement that you must actually grow beyond what they're capable of growing because their understanding is limited because they aren't seeing things for what they really are. You know, he had to speak in parables to these people because they could not comprehend and they couldn't comprehend because their minds were so trapped in their ego centric. I am right. You're wrong. You can't challenge my core beliefs because someone's already taught this to me and I've already accepted it. 
you know, but really, truly, if, if you look in the lost books of the Bible, which is quite interesting, right, that we have parts of the Bible we're not allowed to read, what? Um, but he says, you know, Jesus says in there, whoever finds the meaning of these words will not taste death. The one who seeks should not cease seeking until he finds it. And when he finds, he will be dismayed. And when he is dismayed, he will be astonished. And when he is astonished, he will be king over all. You know, it's so interesting because it really says, oh my gosh, whenever you find out, you're going to be completely shocked. And I believe that it just all fits together so beautifully. And, and JC has, over the years of my life, has, has really helped me to uh, understand a lot of these concepts. You know, I feel like I've gotten bits and pieces of it throughout the years. And, and, and it just all kind of fits together in this same kind of dynamic. He says in, in the book of Thomas, when you come to know yourselves, then you will be known and you will realize that you are the children of the living father. But if you do not come to know yourself, then you exist in poverty and you are poverty, which is so crazy, too, because he's literally saying there that whenever you get to know yourself, you are God. And God is is, is not only without you, without of you, but within you. God is within you. You know, he says the kingdom of heaven is not something you're going to find over here or over there, but it's something that's within you. Stating multiple times, come to know that is what is in front of you. That which is hidden from you will become clear. Come to know what is in front of you. You know, and the craziest thing is that all of the most incredible truths are all right in front of our faith our faces. You know, we don't understand how our, how our body processes work and how our cells function, um, you know, a, a, on a, on a community level. But we know for sure that right in front of us is infinite knowledge and, and complete, you know, um, universal truth. It's happening universally within all of us and all living things. You know, and these, um, these manuscripts, these hidden parts of the Bible were hidden simply because they were deemed to be considered Gnosticism, which is, is quite interesting because, uh, the biblical worldview of God is one God and one creator. Gnosticism is, is multiple creators. And it's so funny because in, in the Bible, it not only talks about multiple gods, but it also, um, indicates through Jesus's own words that we, in fact, are the creators of our experience. Also, Gnosticism views the world and the body as evil and um, our spirit and our soul as good, which really makes sense whenever you think about the duality in which we live in. You know, and they believe that um, they believe that ignorance, not sin, is the ultimate problem and that special knowledge brings salvation. You know, it's available to few, which is quite interesting because that's literally everything that Jesus is talking about, even in what they kept. Like he's, he's literally still saying it's your ignorance. Like you are being ignorant. You're unwilling to listen. You're unwilling to do these things. You are, you are truly being ignorant, not sinful, you know, because if, if you gain the, the insight that you need to continue, you have to continue to be ignorant and, and be, you know, uh, resistant to something greater than you, you know, and, and then the special knowledge that brings salvation. I mean, it truly is, you know, the law of attraction, the universal laws. It's understanding and harnessing those that, that God within us, the creative power that's flowing through you right now and, and allowing yourself to, to show how powerful you are by manifesting your life in just the way that you can because you were created and designed that way. You know, we are all just individualized experiences that, that the creative power is having of itself. And we were designed in order to create our own realities so that we can then experience who we really are. You know, and, and for me anyways, um, this relationship that I share with, with JC is, is phenomenal. It's completely incredible because what I have done is I have, I have gained, um, um, a, a line, like a complete connection with the sunlight of the spirit, my sunlight of the spirit, my own internal power. And I call it JC because it's so much simpler for me to believe in something outside of myself. Um, that I can use my imagination with than it is for me to believe in me because I'm still fighting with my ego who wants to it wants to assume its own identity as something other than what I actually am. You know, it, it's it's this plain truth that's hidden right in front of our faces. And it's so incredible. And, you know, I, I 
absolutely love Jesus. I love him so much. I mean, I can't get enough conversation about him. I can't because he truly loved people in such a way. And I identify with that. You know, like I feel like I have a tortured soul because I'm so overwhelmed with the love and compassion and empathy that I have for other people that it like physically hurts me. And I, and I, and I do, um, you know, grand things to try to, to, to rectify and, you know, these things that have happened to people or, or to try to help them become better or to try to help them see just how amazing they are. Because when I look at them, I just see this beauty you know, that radiates from you. And, and, and I, and I truly just love people so much. So I, I understand that, that, you know, that, that search for the relief of those around you that are suffering and you love them so much, you know, um, and it, and it truly is quite an experience, you know, and I believe that JC loves me so much that I love me so much. He's really taught me to love myself. And for me, like, you know, and, and who, whatever your relationship is with your higher power, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what your higher power is. I don't care if it's a doorknob, if it's a picture, if it's a soda pop can. I don't care because all that matters is that you seek something, that you seek that internal power because as soon as you do, it's incredible. It just opens up just as it says, knock and the door shall be answered. Ask and thou shalt receive and, and believe and you will have, you know, believe. And and for me, you know, my, my relationship with JC is, is so wonderful because listen, I know JC was a felon. I know in his in his time he was a felon. That was they crucified people on a regular basis. He was a felon. And I absolutely identify with that on my own personal level. And I'm sure that many of you can identify with that. But I, I get that because because I I'm an outcast. I'm ostracized, you know, and and, and I and I have this uh, attraction to the the, the rebel, to the disruption of society, to um, people who aren't conforming. I have this attraction to those who dare to step outside of the boundaries that man has set upon himself. You know, uh, th that that's what I, I truly, um, I love the most because no revolutionary act or happening can, can, can completely entrance our entire collective consciousness and help us grasp what it is that we need to understand until somebody steps outside of those boundaries and those limits and says, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I don't believe you anymore because you keep saying that you love Jesus, but you're hurting me because you keep telling me that I'm supposed to be this kind of person and think like this. But when I ask you this, that question is off limits because it doesn't correspond with what you believe. Well, that's quite interesting. Because instead of saying I'm wrong or I don't know or, you know, as long as you have a relationship, people continuously go back to that ego individual survival trait and go, no, that's not true. I don't know. No, not true. And, and dismiss, dismiss valid claims and, and then begin to set themselves apart from other people, the same people that were supposed to be out here loving, you know, and, and it's so incredible. So listen, guys, this was such a long episode and I loved it so much. I love JC. He's my best. Oh my gosh. I love him so much. Uh, I love it. It was so wonderful to have Sean um, on uh, the kaleidoscope today. So big shout to Sean. Thank you so much. Hope you're doing okay. Hope the commissary is good. And also wanted to let you know that, um, you know, it, uh, Sean is also working with Society First, who is uh, doing their best to advocate for prison reform. And prison reform is something that's des desperately needed in our country. So if anybody is interested in learning about Society First, um, get online, check it out, and, and send them an email and figure out how you can help them. Also, um, I would love to hear from you. Like I said earlier, judge me. Please judge me. I want you to judge me. I want you to tell me everything and anything that I could possibly need to hear so that I can become better and grow doesn't matter what it is check me out on my facebook um the kaleidoscope i you can get me on tiktok you can get me on instagram and you can get me on snapchat um and and my facebook leads directly to my email just reach out to me let me know if there's anything you want to talk about anything you want me to dive into um anything you want me to consider uh, i would really love to hear from you and if you would like subscribe and follow me that would be so wonderful and share me around because i really want to i really want to reach 
um, as far as I can in, in the aspect of sharing the news about how fucking amazing you are. I mean, you're so incredible. And if no one has told you today, I love you. I, mm, I love you so much. I really do. And I, I want you to, um, I challenge you to go and truly look and in the mirror and look in your own eyes for just a moment and say, I love you. And I promise what's going to happen is one of two things. You're going to look in your eyes and say, I love you. And all of a sudden your face is going to look a bit strange as if it's not familiar. And you're going to realize that you don't believe that. Or you're going to look at yourself and say, I love you and realize that you do believe it and you are worth seeking grand truth. I love you guys. Have a great night. Until next time, whenever we come back for some more perspective on your life. And by the way, uh, love you.